Welcome to Data Bytes. I'm Susan Wong. And I'm Jesse Chizeski Kay. Susan and I are two statisticians, and we want to bring statistics closer to you. We will touch on topics in big data, data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and the list may grow. In this episode, we talk about how a number of Jeopardy! champions use statistics to level up their game. Let's get started. So Jesse, I'm a huge fan of the popular TV game show Jeopardy. Yeah, if if I have seen it before, I actually don't recall. That's <laughs> have, okay. Yeah, I know what it is, but yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a quick recap here. So Jeopardy, admittedly, um, as you've sort of pointed out, is not X Factor. It's not The Voice. It rarely makes its way to headline news, so not that many people know about it. Um, from April to June, however, something intriguing happened. There was this trivia superstar named James Holzhauer who started and ended a marathon 32-day streak that got him close to breaking champ Ken Jennings' record of $2.52 million. He was only about $60,000 shy of hitting the record, and Ken Jennings took twice, well, more than twice as long to amass that amount of money. Wow, that is quite a lot of money for winning in a game show. Oh, yeah. More than we make in a year or, or 10. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but for those of our listeners, and, and including Jesse here, who's not familiar with the game show, here is a really quick, maybe non-exhaustive summary of how the thing works. So this is a half-hour competition where three players race to answer trivia questions in a total of 12 categories, five questions per category. The twist in the game is that the questions are actually called clues and are phrased like answers. And the responses given by the contestants need to be phrased like questions. It's really confusing, so let's give an example here. Suppose the category is podcasts, and your clue, Jesse, is this podcast showcasing statistics and data science is co-hosted by Jesse Chizeski K and Susan Wong. Oh, I think I could do this one. Uh, would it be, what is Databytes? Correct. And you did it right. You phrased your answer like a question. <laughs> so in an actual game setting, there are two other contestants who might race you to the buzzer, especially on such an easy question like this. And the first person to buzz in and answer correctly wins. So if that was a $200 value question, they would win $200. And each clue category has, six, has five questions with different dollar values, $200 all the way up to $2,000 that correspond with the difficulty of the clue. So answer more questions correctly and you win more money. Um, answer questions incorrectly and you actually lose the value of the clue. Um, and the contestant that racks up the most amount of money in the game wins and gets to return to play again the next day. That's how these streaks happen. So James was on such a hot streak that all these news outlets were saying that he has broken Jeopardy. After all, one article calculated that his per-game winnings had surpassed the, uh, the pay, the compensation of the longtime beloved host of the show, Alex Trebek. Wow. So, so what makes him such a good player? Well, let's backtrack a bit and talk about another specific feature of the game. So in each game, there are these three special clues called daily doubles, and they can appear just about anywhere on the clue board, and they're hidden. So if you ask for a particular clue and it turns out to be a daily double, you have a chance to win or lose a significantly higher amount of money. In fact, you get to put all of your accumulated winnings in that game at risk. So what's better is also that no one else can ring in 
if you've triggered the daily double. So if you chose that clue, that one is yours to win or lose on and nobody else's. So, uh, you know, you, you sort of have a high risk, high reward situation here. And so it sounds like perhaps James then was just really good with these daily doubles. Oh, yeah. So it turns out James is a professional sports gambler. So no stranger to statistics and odds. He realized that the odds of him getting clues right were pretty high. Some articles online estimated his accuracy rate overall on any of these Jeopardy questions to be 97%. So he said he's used to making bets on far worse odds in sports gambling. He figured that he could just make these big bets when he gets the daily doubles, sometimes those are on the order of $20,000 or $30,000 each. So that's usually enough to seal off the game. And as a professional sports gambler, he's probably no stranger to putting that much on the line in just one go. Indeed. In the mid-game interviews, he mentioned that his wife wouldn't even ask about his successes and failures at sports betting because there was so much volatility. It was just safer to show her the bank statement at the end of the month or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would could imagine that. So, so then how did this streak end? On June 3rd's game, a new contestant named Emma Betcher came along and just dominated the Daily Doubles. There's an element of luck there as well for finding them in the first place. So she really gave him a dose of his own medicine. And Emma has really studied the game deeply as well. For her master's thesis at UNC Chapel Hill in information sciences, she looked into using text mining to predict the difficulty of Jeopardy questions. Someone has recently unearthed this thesis, and I have to say it's quite well written. And, and so how was difficulty actually quantified? So she just took the monetary values of the, of the clues to reflect the difficulty level. So in each category, there were five ordinal levels of difficulty. And um, what were some of the features that Emma looked at for predicting difficulty? So she looked at things like the lengths of the clues in word count as well as in syllable count. Um, there are software packages that can do this calculation for you. She also looked at the complexity of phrasing by taking a linguistic approach to count up the number of noun phrases and verb phrases in the clues. You can imagine that the clue, um, this letter wears a hat in the cover art of the statistics podcast, usually aired once a week on Fridays, featuring Jesse and Susan. That that sounds a lot more convoluted than our earlier clue, this podcast showcasing statistics and data science is co-hosted by Jesse and Susan. So, you know, that that's one of the features that she would consider. And then there were other things like the rarity of the words that would appear. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I, I guess this um, preparation might have helped her win then. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and another Jeopardy contestant worth mentioning while we're on the subject of mining the data is Roger Gregg, who actually held the record for the most amount of money won in a single game on Jeopardy before James Holzhauer came along and smashed that record again and again. Roger Craig came from a computer science background, and he wanted to mine the data to figure out exactly what kind of topics tended to came up, come up in the harder questions, um, and, and so use, use that to figure out what he needed to study up on. So when I say topics, they're kind of different from categories because, uh, you know, categories are how clues are organized in the game, but sometimes they can be a little bit confusing. So in a recent episode, there was a category called vans. And at first blush, you might think this has to do with different makes and models of automobiles, but actually the entire category had to do with historical figures that had van in their name. Ah, 
okay. Like Van Gogh and James Vanderbeek. <laughs> exactly. So so Roger took all this historical data and just ran topic modeling on the um, the answers or actually the, the questions, I suppose, to figure out what kind of topics tended to come up a lot in the hardest tier of clues. And he found that the high-valued questions tended to come from fields like art, science, biology, and architecture, while the lower-valued questions came from more popular topics like food and pop culture. So he actually built a whole app that operated like a digital flashcard system that ran through historical clues on Jeopardy and then would track your performance on all of these different topics so you would know exactly what you need to work on. Wow, sounds like you're quite the Jeopardy fan, Susan. Are are you hoping to be on the show someday? Well, I've auditioned twice so far, and I can say that it's a very strange experience. You're basically in a room with 30 or so other adults who all really, really want to show they're the smartest person in the room. And so even during these casual drill questions, they're kind of like warm-up questions, everyone would get all eager and go, ooh, ooh, I know. And, you know, I just think I'm a little too old for that now. Thanks for listening to Databytes. If you have any questions or suggestions or comments for us, please email us at databytes.podcast at gmail.com. That's Databytes with a Y. And if you want to see the numerous articles that served as reference material for today's show, please visit our website at databytespodcast.github.io. Till next time.